I've been told by everybody up on this roof that they're all off the roof. I am on the roof of Exposure 4. Got fire through the roof of the fire building in the entire rear section. Thanks for joining us again with our podcast, Old School. I'm Rick Lasky, along with my good, good buddy, Chief John Salka. Um, John, topic for today, buddy. Um, uh, you and I have taught this subject, golly, um, a ton of times, uh, especially, well, big parts of it and get out alive and saving our own. And then, you know, even more so with the smoke divers class and with, whether it's with your probie or your rookie or whatever, but it's, it's, Let's talk SCBA, getting to know your SCBA, because, you know, I think it's one of those things, John, that people take for granted. I remember, I think I was saying this to you uh, last time we, we, we were visiting, I remember starting um, in Justice, you know, I was 18 years old as a volunteer firefighter in the southwest side of Chicago, and I walked in, and Richie Spar was one of the captains there, and he took me over to the engine. I already known a bunch of stuff, because I was already, you know, doing the Explorer Cadet thing, but he brought me over, and he took an air pack out of compartment and he goes, okay, put this on and clip, clip and all this. And all right, you connect this hose to here. Let's put your face piece on and all blah, blah. And that was it. That, that was it. That was, that was, um, that was it. It was, uh, um, it was just, here it is, buddy. And uh, there you go. And I was like, holy pretty similar memories. You know, when I was 18, I joined Mineola, which is the volunteer outfit where I grew up in a village of Mineola out on Long Island. Marty Dorba was the captain and uh, a great group of guys that I still, that I still am in contact with, you know, occasionally. I just went out to the 50th, 50th year of service for a couple of guys. But, but anyway, same thing. The old steel cylinders, the steel cylinders with the regulator mounted up with the yellow <laughs> and the red knobs on them, right? And, and, the, and the face pieces with the elephant trunk on them, which at the time, as I say about everything, at the time, was the most modern day in history. That was the most modern SCBA around. Uh, and of course, now we look back at it like, like, you know, like a musket, you know? Well, how many people, how many people complain about, you know, I love it. Some of our younger fibers, oh, I'm so tired of this air pack. Can't the way to get off my back. And it's so heavy. I'm thinking, and I know we sound like a couple of dinosaurs, but I'm like, oh my God. I remember that, like you said, that steel, that bottle with the, like the elephant trunk and the stuff. And it was like. Well, cylinder weighed more than the whole 4.5, you know. Oh, and, <laughs> and then, and then your regulator, your regulator was either snapped up here or down off your belt, depending on the manufacturer. And that was another like 35 pounds. It was, it was, it was, you know, and you were, you were kind of excited to get that. But John, I'm telling you, that was the extent of my training. It was like, okay. You know, we, we we tightened all the straps, and this wasn't even with a bunker coat on. We just put it on. You know, check his. You know, check this. How you check your seal. You know, put your hand over the hose once you tighten all your straps. He didn't even tell me. You know, you know to do. You know, do your top one, and then come down and do your bottom ones and check and that check the bypass and other. He says, "Okay, you're ready." And I remember going to a fire. I remember the very first fire I was in, the actual working fire, um, and 
I, I was like, you know, this is the first fire I've ever been in my life aside from training. And we ended up getting, we ended up getting trapped in the third floor for a little bit. And that's in the story for another day, uh, this apartment building, this apartment complex. But I'm, I'm wearing this thing for the first time. And, you know, I'd never been through really a smoke drill with it. You know, I mean, they let you play with it when you're an explorer, when you're a cadet but or a junior. But, you know, inside with the heat and everything else, and, you know, it's, it's a little over, you know, overwhelming, if you will. I'm like this new kid. I thought I knew it all already. And I'm like, holy cow. And that was the extent of training. And then... I, 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 we weren't even talking about air management or things like that, John, that going through the University of Illinois Fire Service Institute, great institution, one of the oldest fire schools in the country, forever they've done a smoke divers class, okay? And they even had a semi-tractor trailer. They would drive around to some of the smaller volunteer departments, and it was split in a couple of different levels, and you could change the insides, and, you know, you could smoke it up with the phony smoke and all that stuff, or a little bit, you know, you know there was a way to do So you could crawl in and it was like an old moving truck. So you had in the under storage, you pull out these tubes and on top and you could set those up and you started basics, John, with like your brand new firefighters, you know, the brand new guys and gals would pack up masks and it was more of a confidence. You'd crawl through to, you know, to rid yourself of the claustrophobic feeling, right? You crawl through these connected tubes, making a, you'd start off just going through one. Then they'd connect more. Then you'd have to make a left and a right. Then you'd have to go out through the top. And this was all outside. You know, you weren't even anywhere yet. You were you could see completely. And then they started it where, you know, now it's, you know, you can either put your hood over it or you use the uh, shower, the shower cap things. Now they, I know they make, you know, regular mask covers. But now you go through where you're, you know, you can't see. And you're slowly building. Then they actually put you in the SCB maze that's in this semi, two levels with different, like, yeah, and you could change the holes. You can change them to make them round, square. You got to doff your pack, not doff your pack. You have to go up, go down some stairs, go up, and they fill it with the smoke, the you know the theatrical smoke. And and it was really, and that was just the starters, you know. And they they and so when you went down down campus and you went through the forty hour class, I think John, I swear, the first day, I think you don and doffed your pack like one hundred twenty five times. By the end of the week, you knew everything about your SCBA. I mean, you do every little piece, every little working item, everything. And, and it was amazing what they could do in a week. And then I started thinking, God, what if I had not went through that class? What if I, what if my, my, you know, for until somebody else came along and said, Hey, Lasky, you don't know as much as you think you do about your SCBA. If I had not been through that class, you know, to tell me and show me, you know, how that SCBA works. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Right now, I can't think of a more important device, I, you know, that I'm bringing into a burning building, aside from a nozzle and fighting a fire, than my air, right? And, and you know, it's, I'm, I'm not sure if the word is important, but it, it is an important point to remember, um, is that the SCBA is, is, is obviously vital, very important to your survival and structural firefighting. But, but putting that off to the side, once you get on the job, once you join the department, once you start going to drills and taking in runs and wearing it, it's no big deal. It appears to be a very easy piece of equipment to use and test and check out on drill night or at the beginning of your shift and throw it on and throw it off and bleed it down and go back after the run. And, and all of a sudden it becomes like putting a helmet on. It, it's like a piece of cake. And it's not. And it's not. It's just like a lot of other things. Yeah, flying a plane is no problem until you have trouble. And then you better know what the emergency procedures are. Same thing with an SCBA, you know, throwing it on, putting a mask on. I know guys that, that could put it on that, that shouldn't even be riding today and guys that, 
that couldn't nail up, you know, put a hammer into a piece of, and they can put an SCBA on and operate. But when you have trouble or when you, when you run into a dangerous situation, suddenly what you know about that SCBA becomes vitally important and your ability to perform emergency procedures and help other people and get hoisted out or hoist other people or drag people or lift things up the stairs or get out a window. I mean, we could go on and on and we will. Uh, talk about all the other things that you have to know about your SCBA, uh, other than just how to. Yeah, I, I know a lot of guys that are so used to just getting in the rig, sitting down, putting their shoulder straps on, and when they get out, the, it's on their back. I know some guys that have a hard time figuring out how to put it on when they're standing on the grass. Well, never and you isn't know? you're you're the chief of your department, isn't that? And you've got great guys. I, I know we both brag on them all the time. But regardless, your guys or whatever, when you see a firefighter standing there fumbling, I've always said. A good, indicator, a good indicator of how confident they are with their air pack is how much fidgety. If, if you're talking to them saying, okay, Rick, I need you to go. And as you're telling me, I'm, I'm, I'm messing with this and I'm thinking, and it's not like straighten out a strap. I'm talking, you, you know, you can tell when somebody's not confident with it. Then you have the other guy. You have, you have, you have the, the, the Chris Delizio that comes up and he, he walks up. What do you need, Chief? Hey, Chris, first thing you get to the third floor, he's like, okay, yeah. And he, he, he slide his face piece on his you know, face. Right strap strap he's yeah gotcha boss you said third floor right on the left okay yeah i got three guys we're going right now boop, 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 click 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 boom boom Larry McCormick and guys like that that oh. could be talking to you talking on the radio while they're tightening their shoulders <laughs> they're not even thinking about it their hands are putting their scba on while they're while their mouth is talking on the radio to somebody about where they're going you know and and again we've said this just about every show we always mention leadership we always mention training that doesn't come, with rep come without repetition, without training. We talk about, I've always said for years, I think you've said it too, that speed kills on the fire ground. Whether you uh, attach that word to anything, whether it's driving too fast, running into a building, while stop and taking a look at the building, you know, the smoke condition, the fire condition, speed kills. And I've always said, especially with your air pack, if you want, and this always comes down to like putting your face piece on the cab, you know, to cut down a few seconds. And I know there's a lot of good guys and gals that do that. You know, the, and these are the, these are your all-stars. These are the, these are usually the guys who are like, I, I want to get off and hit the ground running for Captain Salka, man. I don't want to, you know, and, and I, I've always said, well, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of that. I'm not saying you're a bad person if you do that. You know, I know why you're doing it, but I've sat there and thought about it. I go, okay, so I'm putting my face piece on in the cab. I've got my hood helmet. I'm all ready to go. I was going to snap. Well, if it's cold outside, do I risk fogging it up at all? You know, I've already kind of screwed up my breathing a little bit. You know, I'm, I'm, my peripheral vision's kind of, you know, screwed up. And here's my biggest thing, John, is I'm not, I don't think I'm stopping like I normally would to take a look at the building before I go in. You know, I've, I've always said a lot of times you get there, a lot of guys will hit the ground running, they'll get up in front, they'll, they'll, they'll hit their knees, throw their helmet on the ground, they'll boom. And, and they're taking a look at the smoke, the building, they're masking up and everything else, and you go in, you give it a chance. And, and somebody says, yeah, but I'm trying to shave those seconds for Captain Salco. So when I get off his engine, I'm ready to go. And I'm like, the NFPA for the longest time said they wanted you to be able to put all your turnout gear and your SCB on, be totally on, all, down all your gear, your PPE, your NFPA 15 ensemble. All right. And that's air pack. That's checking to make sure you have a seal. That's checking your bypass at your hood, helmet, snap, gloves, everything. Boom. Raise your hand in under two minutes. Well, if you have your bunker gear, your turnout gear on already, they want you to do that with your air pack in under a minute. So my question to people is how much time are you actually saving? How many seconds? And we know the seconds are important, but what, here's, here's the problem with that. What's the compromise? 
am I compromising anything with my peripheral vision? Am I if I'm am I not stopping to see what's going on at the bush? Just stop, take a moment, look at the smoke, look at the fire, and go. Now, back to what you've said for the longest time, and I, I agree one hundred percent. Every second you shave off of your response time getting the building is important, and you can still do that. This is what I'm saying. Speed comes with efficiency. Efficiency comes with training. So, go ahead, buddy. And all those points are compatible. There's there's no conflict there. Now, the conflict arises. What there's different people that believe different things for different reasons, and and they're not necessarily right or wrong. For right. Example, for example, I agree with you. I agree that when you get to the scene, when you when you hit the ground, when you when you get off the rig and you're in front of the building that's on fire, or at the scene of an accident or whatever it is where you might be putting an SCBM. You know what? That's the most important, you know, five or 10 seconds for you to orient yourself and look at what's going on, who's there, who's calling your name, who's saying help, who's saying over here, get a line over here. You put that face piece on, you are dramatically reducing your visibility. You're dramatically reducing your field of vision. You're, and once you, once you reduce your field of vision, you reduce all the input into your brain as far as sizing up and what's going on and, get, and getting yourself uh, acclimated to the scene. So I agree 100%. You should have everything on ready to go. I don't think you should have your face piece on. I don't think the face piece should be on when you get off the rig. I don't think the face piece should be on until you are ready to enter the building. Well, I think you can stretch your line, gather your tools, grab yeah. the saw, get, get to the front door, hit a knee, put your face piece on. Now you're ready to go. Well, I mean, you, you just brought up a good point, though, too. What well, if well, getting... that's important. We, we, we heard that whole story about people saying, you know what? The seconds that you're wasting aren't yours. They belong to the people inside that are right. waiting. For you. We know they're important. So I'm not, I'm not throwing the baby out with the bathwater there. On the other hand, there's got to be some compromise there a little bit. You just can't get off the rig with this blindfold on. And it's not quite a blindfold. But I'll tell you, I'd love somebody to do a scientific study or, or really take a close look at how much your visibility and your input is reduced, you know, your perception of what's being directed at you, whether it be verbally, even verbally. I think putting a face piece on reduces your verbal uh, comprehension as well, because it, it just, it just puts you in this little shell and suddenly everything is magnified. So, you know, again, people who put it on right away to save that five seconds or six seconds power to you. If you can still get a good quick look, look around and see what's going on, knock yourself out. I like to keep it off until I'm just ready to go in a smoke. Yeah, and there's some there's some guys and gals that that have told us, hey, you know what? I can I I put it on a cab. I'm good. I can still see. I can still do what I've got to do. You brought up a point that yeah that we, we you know we we don't bring up that often when we talk about that is you you get off the rig and you get a different assignment than going in. Throw a ladder here, grab a line over here. You, you know, Rick, grab a grab an exposure line. You take care of this. The rest of your crew is going in. And I'm not in the smoke and I'm standing there with my face piece on now without, without, I'm not breathing air, obviously, but I'm, you know, I just think there's some hindrances to it. Again, to our listeners, we're not saying you're wrong. God, like John said, God bless you. If it works for you, it works for you. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just saying, let me go back to even the beginning here. What we're talking about is, is cause we both agree that it works for some people and some people ought to not do it. And there's pros and cons, just like you said, John, but it all comes down to training. If you don't, if you don't do, if you don't do the dawning doffing drills, if you're not that air pack, that yeah, and that's why I thought, like I mentioned, the smoke divers class. You don't have to actually go away to do it, but there was a couple of things that happened in that class, John, that I've never forgotten. I've taught every probie, I brought it up in every conversation I can with talk about SCBAs. That is number one to always put your air pack in the ready position. 
especially for, for a volunteer department with, that you're going home and something else. The ready position means all the straps are back fully extended. It's shut off. It's bled down. It's ready to go. Now, you know, with a new bottle, whatever, when you put it, when you, when you get off that rig, your air pack, your SCBA is in the ready position. It means anybody can put it on. Straps are wide open. It's shut off, bled down, whatever. Okay. Now, that being said, in, in, in the smoke divers class, John, and I, I think you and I have talked about this before, they used to do this, what they call the harassment drill. And the harassment drill was they would take like the, these 10 firefighters would line up this way and you put your air pack on the ground behind you, straps out and everything else. All right. Now they would start off with your air pack and then all your turnout gear, send them like, like they're in the firehouse, bunker pants, coats, all that stuff. And then you have to turn your back to your, to your turnout gear and your SCB and there's 10, 10 pairing firefighters and they have to do three things to your pack. Don't break it, you know, obviously, but loosen this, tighten that, disconnect that, whatever, tighten the strap or whatever, and just leave it alone. And then when everybody, you're, now you can't peek. If you turn on peak, then they get to do it to like three times. So you have to stand there and you know they're doing shit. You're like, all right, Salk, I know what you're doing. Wait, wait when it's my turn, buddy, I would do it to you. So you do two or three things, usually three things are minimum to their pack without screwing it up, obviously. Now the instructor says, ready, go. Boom. He starts to stop out. You have to turn around, put your bunker pants on, throw your hood on, you know, coat glove, you know, the whole thing, turn around, grab your SCBA, put it. Now, if at any time, if you, if they notice that you turn your pack on and it doesn't, it doesn't boot up with the air, right? Or it's, that means it was charged. They blow the whistle, stop, start all over again. And it was so frustrating, especially if you had 10 people in a group or whatever. If you did 20, it's hard to manage. But you had 10 people, you, Brian Salka, God, boom, he's dead, he, dump, boom, boom, boom. And then this guy over next to him does, and they stop. Okay, Lasky, you didn't check. You're, you're, obviously, it wasn't in a ready position because you weren't ready to go because we didn't hear a charge. It was already charged. It means they, they turned it on and you didn't check it or you're fussing with your strap because it wasn't. And it was such a great way that that is what you do is you started that with putting your turnout gear on and putting your air pack. Now let's say you have your turnout gear on, right? Everybody's dressed. Now they do it with your air pack behind you. They do a couple more things. Well, John, my, my point here is if you're always, if the habit is always, 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 always to leave your air pack in the ready position, that shoulder straps fully extended, waist strap fully extended, cylinder off, bled out, everything else, they can't screw with you. If you spin around and you go, and the first thing you do, you check, like, oh, very funny, Lasky. You tighten my straps again. Oh, you tie these two together. Boom. Oh, you didn't turn it off. Let me bleed it down. Boom, boom, boom. You know, all the, it's impossible to screw with someone's air pack if you were in the habit of always putting your air pack in a ready position when you turn around and make sure. So, number one, John, that eliminated a lot of problems with SCBAs because you said, I've heard you say this in class before, and I agree 100% with you. 85, 90% of the air pack malfunctions on the fire ground are operator air. You know, 85 to 90% are like, it's not the air pack freezing up or whatever out in the, you know, it's five degrees below zero and it's a moisture, whatever. It's, it's up. There's something they didn't do. They didn't turn it on all the way, you know, because we've said before, there's no on and off. It's either all the way on or all the way off. That's how they make it. You know, you can't, you know, guys roll their cylinders when they're going downstairs, whatever the knob, you know, it's, it's operator error. So if you constantly practice to our listeners, that's when you get back from a call, whether you're on duty or you're at your volunteer place, 
you make sure your air pack's in a ready position. Every, if you go to rehab and you take your air pack off, as soon as you lay it on the ground or wherever you put it, it's in a ready position. If you only used half your air and they say, Rick, Rick, you and John, get in here right now. We got, we got a guy coming to the window. Get, well, I got to go put a bottle. Oh, I can't put my, you know, if it's always in a ready position, it's hard to get snookered. Part two of that, John, was the emergency check. The emergency check that is, is taught, I, I can't believe how many people when I ask them don't know what I'm talking about, where if something happens to your air pack, first thing you do, the emergency check is, first thing is, is and again, which hand, I've always asked people, which hand has your bypass, left or right, you know, on, or, on, your, on your face piece, okay? So that being said, that hand immediately, immediately goes up your face piece. Make sure your face piece is intact, check your bypass, give yourself some air, right? If you can't, Right away, that's going to tell you things, all right? You go to your face piece, it's on, there's no, you know, it's good. You hit your bypass, can I get more air or not? Then you take your hand and you follow that all the way around, down to your back, and you make sure your bottle's on all the way, and you make sure that it's connected, you know, that it didn't loosen up. Or let, simple, simple thing, you hear, all right, hang on a second, John, I'll be there in a second. You reach back, you shut your bottle off, you tighten it down onto the cylinder, and then you turn it back on. That's the Larry McCormick you talked about that knows his air pack backwards or forwards, and there's no mistaking with it. So my point is, and I know you, you've talked about it, if you're always in that position where you put in the ready position, if you know the emergency, if something goes wrong with your air pack, it takes like a couple seconds. It really, I mean, God, I've you, I mean, hand to your face piece, check your bypass, you know, are you getting there? hand down to the back, make sure it's turned on all the way, that you're not losing air out the back or whatever. If you can't fix it with that second or two, what is that, two seconds maybe, then you need to get, you know, you need to get out. But I think most stuff you'll figure out that you rolled your cylinder, you know, shut or, or, or halfway almost closed or whatever, will fix a lot of that stuff when it comes to that, you know. That's a big point. That's, that cylinder being fully opened is a big point. There have been many instances of firefighters, offices, various members having trouble inside a building, running low on air or thinking they're out of air or thinking that they're having a hard time getting air in because they didn't open the valve fully. Your cylinder valve needs to be completely open. When you crack it open, you get your, you get your vibe alert and, and it, you know, it lets the air into the system. <clears throat> you must fully open that wheel. You must fully open it and it must be fully open all the time. And the first thing you need to check when you start to get some restriction uh, on your air intake is to make sure that you haven't, like you said, rolled, rolled along on the ground or against something. Down the stairs. Yeah. To, 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 to bend down. The other thing we haven't talked about yet is all of the other procedures that the, they're a little more technical, but they're not very technical, you know, like the reduced profile and the quick right. release. Those, those, those are two of the major uh, procedures that, that you need to know. You, you need to know reduced profile. That, that you probably, even if you didn't know reduced profile, you've probably practiced it or done some, you know, half correct version of it, trying to squeeze through a door that won't fully open or underneath something that's collapsed or between barrels inside a, inside a factory or a storehouse or something like that. Um, reduced profile is a very easy process to do. You could type that into Google again and probably watch a hundred videos on that. There, there's not too many different ways to do that. And they all, they all pretty much include loosening your shoulder straps, rotating the bottle around under your arm on, of course, the left side, which is the side that you your high pressure hose comes to your mass, so you don't want to restrict your, your head movement. But and all those things are very familiar once once you become familiar with your SCBA. You should be able to ask a young probie or even a five out of five years. You could ask him a battery of ten or twenty questions. What when 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 uh, 
you know, when the low pressure hose comes off your face piece, off the regulator, heading back towards your pressure reducing assembly, what side does it come off of your regulator on? And, and to what side of your body does it go? You know, and everybody should know that, that that's the left. You should know when you reach back with which hand, your right hand or your left hand is going to get you to the, to the uh, cylinder valve. And then which hand is going to get you to the thread that, that's got the high pressure hose well, and, and, and think about that. What if you're pinned? What if there was a collapse, you know, and you're, you're, you know, you're parse. I mean, you know, knowing where everything's at on your air pack, what you can reach or what you can't reach or whatever comes into play big time. Absolutely. And, and there's no mistake in that. There's no second chance. If you go back to, if you go back to make sure your bottle's open and instead you use the wrong hand and you twist open the cylinder connection, the threaded connection, now you can start to lose air. You could, you could, you could end up with all sorts of secondary problems and, and dangers to yourself. So, and then when you do reach back and know, and know that it's with the right hand, that's going to get the, the cylinder valve. Then you know that you have to depress it in. And then you, then you know that you have to turn it, you know, from the perspective of your hand, you have to turn it clockwise or turn it down to the right. It's not to the right because it's on your back now, but you'd have to know that that's to turn it off. And to turn it left, you'd be, you'd be wheeling it backwards. You'd be coming around counterclockwise as if the valve was the face of a, of a clock. So that alone, that simple process right there of reduced profile and being familiar with where your bottle connection is and where your valve uh, is on your, on your cylinder, that alone is very important. And that's a very easily taught and easily tested. It's a very testable uh, procedure. And for some of our listeners, John, we need to remind them that, you, you know, with your probies, with your rookies, your new guys and gals, you start off slow. You know, you don't, it's like, you don't, you don't give the most complicated SCBA maze is the first thing you do. You, like I was talking about the, the tubes, you crawl through one where you can see without even anything on, not even with an air pack on. Then you crawl through with your air pack on. Then you crawl through with your air pack and your face piece on. Then you crawl through with your air pack, your face piece, and it's covered. Then they add more sections to it. And you gradually build, like, like we've done in Get Out Alive and Save and Roll for years. You gradually build on the difficulty of the drills. And that's why I said that first day, they did 100-plus Donnie Doffy, and it's like on, off, on, off, on, off, on, off. And, and then all of a sudden, you start to find your rhythm. You start to find the repetition. You start to find your comfort level. You know, it's not awkward anymore. Hey, it, you put it on almost every time you get on a rig. When you're going to fire, a automatic fire alarm, smells and bells, whatever you want to call it, it's going on your back. You know, no very few runs you not put it on, right? I mean, yeah. very few. And if you think about that, you know, in the heyday, in the heyday, New York City, Bronx companies, Harlem companies, Brooklyn companies would do it seven and eight thousand runs a year. Actually, some of them are getting pretty close to that again right now. You're talking about something that you're doing thousands of times a year you should have that cold you should have that without thinking like i said you should be able to be talking to the chief and at the same time pulling your straps and turning your bottle on and, and, and you know getting your face piece ready to get connected or connecting your face piece to the regulator if, if you if you store them or travel with them separately um so there's, there's a whole bunch of skills but you got to practice them all the time and just by being in a place now listen every five company doesn't do five thousand or seven thousand runs Supplement grow, we do 200 runs a year, you know, and, and more than half of those are medical calls that we're not even wearing gear or an SCBA. We're, we're on a medical call, right? But you still got to be familiar with it. And if you're not doing a lot of runs and you're not putting it on, taking it on and taking it off a lot on duty or on runs, well, then you got to create some training scenarios and you got to be doing it at, at your Wednesday night drills or whatever, whatever day or night it is that you practice. Oh, exactly. And, and again, you said this before, you said, you know, uh, you know, Google, um, reduced profile, you'll see like a thousand, well, 
whatever, thousands of small amount examples. Same thing. I love the videos, John, that show the probies, you know, on the floor. All of a sudden they go, go. And you see this guy or gal, they're tearing their, I mean, they're putting their, they're putting their gear on so freaking fast. And then the air pack, boom, boom. And not in a sloppy fashion. No, no, no. They are like, they got it nailed. They are down, bump, 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 boom, raise their hand. And again, that wasn't their first time. That was probably the umpteenth, hundredth, two hundred, three, whatever time to get that fast to do that. Like you said, knowing your knowing that appliance, knowing, you know, and it sounds so simple when you say which way the cylinder turns, but golly, is that important? Where where the bypass is, where the high pressure hose, where the low pressure, you know where everything's at, how your straps work. It's like the guys that don't remember, remember Larry McCormick's story when he got the medal, when he made the rescue, the fellow Chicago firefighter, you asked him, we remember we saw him down by the book booth. He was getting the award that we're the chief grade Audi courage and valor award at FDIC. And, and, and you, we were talking, said, you go visit him. How'd you do? And all this stuff. And you said, you asked him, you said, Larry, what'd you, what did you say to him when you saw him in the room? Well, I asked him how he's doing. And, he, and the next thing Larry said, being a typical, trainer, the typical instructor, the typical mentor that Larry McCormick is, and we're folks, we're talking about Larry McCormick, Chicago Squad 5, and formerly on FDNY and Oakland on the south side of Chicago. Remember the first he said was, he was, I told him, it's a good thing you had your waist strap, you know, strap, because I was able to, you know, unsnap, make a little diaper sling out of it and drag you out of there. How many times you see these guys walk around, they got those, those waist straps just hanging, and I know people have had the, the little tongue from the waist strap get stuck, slid and stuck underneath the threshold of a door or in some, some, some mattress springs or whatever, you know, and here he was able to, because he had it, find it, snap, put it between his legs, snap and drag him out by his own air pack. Like it's a harness. And again, simple, simple, simple things. You know, it, it's like a lot of guys, they, it's like, Oh, we got to do our fit testing this year. It's such a pain to do fit testing. Well, that's to make sure that you still got a good seal. If you lost a lot of weight, put on some weight. If you had any, dramatic like maybe facial surgery or stuff like that and just to make sure your face piece fits you and 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 it's doing it right you know but that's like the guys that don't don't take their time filling bottles and you you read all the horror stories about that but i've got one more thing but go ahead buddy what you got and well you just mentioned another skill and and it's a it's a writ related skill but it's still an scba piece of equipment is when when you're on a writ team or when you're a firefighter that encounters or discovers or finds a downed or distressed firefighter uh, you know, converting that, that hopefully already buckled waist strap that every, every operating firefighter should have an, a buckled waist strap, right? Right. Converting it from a waist strap to a rescue harness. And we all know you can easily do that. And I'm sure the SCBA manufacturers don't really embrace this or, 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 you know, go along with it, but it still has worked well for the fire service. Once you find somebody unconscious after getting them on air and making sure they have air, whether it's turning their purge valve or putting them on emergency air or reconnecting their face piece or putting them on a red pack. After you do that, the next thing you got to do is you got to get everybody, get them out of there. And one of the easiest things to do is to disconnect their, their waist strap, bring one of the belts between their legs and up and reconnect it to the same buckle again and snug it up. And now, now you can't pull that SCBA off the guy. If you don't do that and try and drag him by the shoulder straps, you might get him 10 feet or a hundred feet or up to the first floor, but eventually he's going to pull out of that SCBA. You're going right. to go and, and have an empty SCBA in your hand. So, that one little process, the conversion of the waist strap from, from a waist strap to a rescue arm is vital. Very important, you know, RIT team uh, and firefighter rescue skill. Oh, absolutely. Like you say, there's pictures. 
I've got pictures. I know you have of, of firefighters that were, sadly, a lot of them didn't make it. They were drug out of buildings pretty much naked. You know, the air pack came off and it pulled their coat off and everything else. And, you know, back even before the bunker pants, you know, you had guys come out. It's like, what happened? I mean, the air pack didn't stay on them. And I know we're going to do a future show on, you know, we're going to talk more about like um, reduced profiles and, and even entanglement, you know, what to do when it comes to entanglement stuff, John. But I, I, I guess as we move towards closing this one out, you know, we've been talking about, I just mentioned fit test briefly. And we, we've been talking about, you know, the emergency check and always having your pack in the right position stuff like that. How about airtime real quick before we finish things up? You know, there's so many easy things you can do around your firehouse. You've mentioned before on this show on how you can actually get a good grip on how much air you use with your air pack by doing those different skills and stuff. But I think that's so vitally important. Number one, for the individual to know, you should know that that thing's going to start buzzing. I don't care heads up display or not in your mask. You should know, you know, because you're that familiar with your own body, your own chemistry, what you suck out of a tank, how quick it's going to go and whether you're going to be able to complete this task or do this or whatever, or how far you're into a building. You know, a lot of people don't take that consideration. I have a half hour bottle. Well, you don't really have a half hour bottle. We'll get into that another day uh, as well. But how much air do you use? And then Captain Salka really needs to have an understanding from drills how much air his guys have. You know, and and I remember in Noonday, Noonday, Texas, a double line of duty death, uh, some volunteer departments. And I remember, um, you know, if you read the report, folks, you know, the captain came around. The firefighter had an air pack pro, uh, SCBA problem, so he came out with an initial attack line. They took this captain's guy, stuck him with this other firefighter from his other department, and they're inside on the line, single-family dwelling. And he comes around after a while. They're back. They're looking at venting the hole, and they had a, they place a PPV in the door. He says, where's my guy? So he's still, he goes, he can't be in there. He only has, you know, four, whatever. I'm, 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 I don't remember the exact number, but let's say, let's call it, he only has 15 minutes of air. He, you know, or 14, he's been in there for, you know, 22 minutes. This is, and, you know, here's a captain, here's an officer, and, and this, you know, that knew how much air his guys used and come around and say, where's my guy at? And they're like, well, they're still, he goes, they can't be still in there. He doesn't have that much air. I know what he goes through. They go around in front and already flash lit up and we end up with two dead firefighters. But I'm like, how, I mean, just touch briefly on the importance of your company officers knowing not only on your firefighters, now you know on their air consumption, how much time and how much air they go through. But how about the guy or gal riding the front seat, having an idea who's riding with him or her and knowing about what they use, right? Because there's different, I mean, some guys suck it down. Some guys read like a sparrow. I mean, absolutely. And it's a little bit more difficult in the volunteer fire service because every run of different crew jumps on a rig. Even in the same day, you can have two runs two hours apart and have a totally different crew. But, but obviously, you have to overcome that problem if you're in a volunteer fire service. You have to get to know your people, know what their capabilities are, know that Tommy Williams uses an awful lot of air because he's a big boy, and, uh, and, and his brother Timmy could go for an hour and a half on a 45-minute cylinder. You know, it's, it's nice to know that. Whether you're a career or volunteer, it's nice to know your people. It's actually vital. It's, more, it's better than nice. It's vital that you know what people's skills are. Some people are working on them. Some people need a lot of work on them. Some people get shown SCBA and the procedures once or twice, and, and it's like they've been wearing it for their whole lives. So, once again, when, you, when you're talking about replacements and things like that, sometimes you have to think of alternatives to that because of budgetary reasons or whatever else. Well, good point, buddy. So, hey, for our listeners, we just took a, a, a short little session here just to talk about uh, – 
your SCBA, how much do you really know about it? You know, and that's the, the workings of it, the parts and pieces, and how good are you at putting it on it, dawning your pack? And, and again, the, if, you, if you picked up on anything here, John said you have to know your air pack. You have to know how it works. You have to be good and efficient, proficient, whatever you want to say, at putting it on and putting it on quickly. You know, we talked about always leaving your air pack in the ready position. That straps are fully extended, bled down, shut off, everything ready to go again. So you can pick it back up and put it on immediately. Know that emergency check. That'll cancel out so many problems with your air pack. Takes a second or two to do that. Know, know your stuff. And, uh, and just just be comfortable with it. And again, speed comes with efficiency. Efficiency comes with training. That's been one of the, the highlights of all of our shows. It comes down to training, 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 and repetition. So I think we hit that one pretty good, buddy. You know what? We got we got to do a future show on uh, on the actual procedures. Let's yeah. do what we got to do one on reducing the profile and entanglement the and techniques for reduced profile and for uh, I mean I mean there's others as well, right? Reduced yeah. profile. Oh, yeah. Quick release is the other one to get out of it completely. Right, right. I know we have some drags and carries and stuff. It's really rich training, but it's still related to the SCBA. Perfect, perfect. Hey, they want to oh. is whether it's RIT, whether it's SCBA, whether it's hose line, what doesn't matter what it is. If you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. Somebody <laughs> said that to me last year for the first time, and I absolutely love that saying. If you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. And boy, that means your boots and your gear, you know, stacked at the rig perfectly in order of you to turn it on and get it on very quickly to get out the door. So that was a great idea, a great theme that somebody came up with. And I like your greeting. Hey, words to live by, man. That, and that applies to everything. That applies to everything. So, Hey, if they want to get a hold of you, if they want to reach out to chief Salka, what's your email, buddy? Chief John Salka at gmail.com. And I'm chief Lasky at gmail.com folks. We, we want to thank you for joining us again and getting the word out about our old school podcast. Just John, and I having fun talking different topics. Uh, we always ask you, um, to please keep the men and women armed forces and your thoughts and prayers. Uh, with that, thanks for, thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us again. Uh, be safe, be careful out there, and God bless you.